As a professor at Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo, my guest today has a unique perspective on post-secondary education and the leftist curriculum being spread across public schools in Canada, not to mention the abandonment of empirical evidence of traditional reading, writing, and arithmetic. What are the long-term harms society will incur for this institutional capture and the Marxist ideologies permeating every facet of the school system? I cannot wait to chat with our guest today, David M. Haskell. Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Well, Dave, welcome to Return to Reason. It's great to be able to connect with you and have you on the program. So looking forward to being able to chat through all the things that, first off, you've got a, a great experience in. You've, you've been as a professor and academic in academia yourself. You've been dealing with a lot of this on, on the front lines so to speak. But first off, how are you doing today? And thank you for joining us. Uh, it's, it's a good day here. We um, we got a nice storm, which means that uh, some of my kids are off and they're enjoying themselves. So, you know, <laughs> you, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, hey, there you go. Hey, first of all, I just want to, let's just jump right in. We have been facing and we've been seeing a major shift in academia. Um, and even going through a lot of the content you've been posting through your YouTube and, and seeing how there is, is no longer an appreciation, it seems like, for empirical evidence, facts in terms of coming across and making theories. You yourself uh, have seen this specifically, I, I know as you're dealing with it. Can you comment on what shift is happening and how that's actually come in terms of theories coming to, to basis without actual empirical evidence? Yeah, yeah, sure. So we're seeing this both in our public school systems, elementary and high school. And then, of course, I'm seeing it a lot at the university. And essentially, what we're, as, as you pointed out, we're seeing this move away from empirical evidence toward the idea of lived experience, yeah. where where facts are actually looked at with hostility. Now, within our public school systems, Ideally, we want kids to be looking at things like literacy, math, and science. And, and we know that uh, in, in many boards, they're not even reaching the targets they're supposed to. And then you see this other emphasis that is not on literacy, math, and science. And, and in fact, what's happening from kindergarten all the way to high school, and again, we see it in university, is we see this extreme emphasis on identity politics. Yeah. Or another way to express it would be these far left theories of identity. And now they are being pushed. These new radical theories are being pushed on innocent kids. And often these theories will focus on race. And that's what we're really going to yep. look at today. But it can focus on race or gender. And, and as you noted, neither, whether they're, whether they're pushing this radical gender ideology or this radical race theory, they're not rooted in evidence. Mm -hmm. So just get, I, I know we're not going to talk a lot about gender, but if you... Look on the gender front. School kids right now are being told that men and women or boys and girls don't exist as a biological reality. Yeah. They're told it's how you feel, not your DNA or your body parts that determines whether you're male or female. So, so that, again, flies in the face of science. But on the topic of race, school kids are being told that racism is getting worse when in fact the research shows that there is far less racism today in our society than there ever has been. And, and they're being told other things that are just as vicious. Uh, for example, they're being told that white people are evil oppressors who deserve uh, discrimination. Uh, so most simply, if I, if I had to like put a pin on it or uh, put a fine point on it related to what's being taught in our, our schools related to race, 
I'd have to say that um, anti-white racism is being promoted. And it's under the guise of this new word, anti-racism education. And I hope that we can get to that term because anti-racism uh, is not about anti-racism. It's actually a wolf in sheep's clothing. So Dave, where is this really coming from? The question I have is, is why has there been a shift this way? And where has this been coming from? Everything seems to come top down at some point. Uh, maybe comment on that. Yeah, so a lot of your, your viewers may be familiar with um, the, the idea of Marxism. Yeah. And this whole new movement, well, let's talk about the race issue, is really rooted in Marxism. And in Marxism, you have this idea of uh, a bifurcated society. That is, there's the good guys and the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And in Marxism, the good guys are the workers and the bad guys are the business owners. Well, Marxism, like these theories today, wasn't really based on evidence and it actually wasn't able to hold water. But the people who were Marxists, they said, well, look, let's, let's flip the script. Let's not talk about economic issues anymore. And let's, let's say that, in fact, Marxism can be applied to racial uh, identity. And so they said, instead of saying the business owners are the oppressors, we're going to say that whites are the oppressors. And we're going to say that people of color are the oppressed. So they've taken this Marxist idea. Similar to Marx, they also don't have the empirical evidence for these claims, but they, yeah. they make them nonetheless. So uh, they have repackaged this as something called critical race theory. Mm -hmm. And uh, it also goes by the name of anti-racist education. So critical race theory is more or less the scholarly term. And the way that they package it for the public is anti-racism education. And, and of course, they're using that term. It's very duplicitous. It's, it's a, a word in disguise because who doesn't want to be anti-racist? But again, as I've already said, it really is about being racist and in particular being racist to white people. Well, they're really euphemisms to describe what is originally a critical race theory. And I'm glad glad you brought that up because this is something that has been purported. And I, I know personally, I've got friends and kids in school who are now coming across this um, and friends, kids who are in schools. And you see that there is this big push for feelings over facts. And for me, and if I'm just going to talk very plainly, <laughs> is I don't trust my own feelings. And I don't make life's decisions based on my own feelings. Feelings can be good indicators that maybe you can start to, to pick up on things. But if you're to be led by your emotions and by your feelings, man, I would be all over the place. I'd rather trust empirical evidence, facts. I want to have good stuff, information so I can make the right decisions. So as we're moving through, we talked about what is happening and, and, and where it comes from. Obviously, stems from Karl Marx and this Marxist theory that is being purported throughout is what would be the end goal? Is this something that moves into identity politics? Is this a, a move to divide and conquer? Is this why, again, why would this, what would be the the end to this whole goal of critical race theory? So the, the end, and they say this themselves in their own text, is to destroy society and to rebuild it in their image. So you, sorry, uh, destroy society as we know it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they say things specifically that, um, they are against the, the, the standards that were brought forth in the Enlightenment. They're against yeah. the standards that were brought forward in the Judeo-Christian tradition. They see them as oppressive. Uh, anything that was traditionally tied 
to European culture, enlightenment values, uh, Christian values. Yeah. They believe that, that those are the tools of the oppressor and they need to be destroyed. And, and they talk about how uh, even objectivity and facts are tools of oppression. They were created by white Europeans in order to oppress others. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that thinking is that it's really hard to argue with someone when, when you want to use facts, because then they'll si simply use this tautology. They'll say, well, you're using facts, but those are the tools of the oppressor, so I don't have to listen. And, and uh, it's a catch-22. Yeah. It's hard to convince these people. Now, related to facts, I, I just want to bring out a few facts, for example. Sure, uh, sure. In, in this new version of education, which is based in critical race theory and it's packaged as anti-racism education, I've already said that it demonizes white people, but it's equally dangerous for students of color because they're being told that they are perpetual victims Yep. that they don't have personal agency. They're told that having skin that isn't white is a death sentence to their success. And as I said from the start, that these kind of claims are completely refuted by the empirical evidence. So very briefly, it, in its latest data, Statistics Canada just verified that here in our country, Canadians of South and East Asian heritage, as well as several other non-white ethnic groups, achieve higher income and higher educational attainment than whites in Canada. Hmm. Now, now, obviously, there are things that can hold someone back from success, but almost none of them relate to racism. And I'd say almost all of them relate to lifestyle choices or, or family structure. Put it this way. Wow. In Canada, skin color will not hold you back unless you are convinced by your teachers that it will. Wow. That is uh, a truth right there. This idea of victimhood and also how you see yourself, which also determines your worldview. If you're walking through the world thinking that everyone is out to get you, that's going to affect how you're able to put yourself forward. Do you mind, just to back up, just I want to touch on this one more time. We're obviously talking about critical race theory, but do you mind just try giving the simplest definition of what critical race theory is? And I got one other follow-up question after that. Sure. And what I want your audience to remember is that the school boards and the universities are trying to avoid using the term critical race theory now yes. yep. because it has such terrible publicity. Uh, for example, in the United States, uh, when last I checked, 35 of the 50 states had banned the teaching of critical race theory in their schools. And the reason they're doing this, and this gets to the, to the definition, what, it, what does it teach? Well, it's teaching that, uh, that whites are oppressors, that whites are racist, even if they don't have racist words or racist actions, they are inherently racist. Yeah. They are unconsciously racist. This is, um, this is a doctrine of mind reading. So another tenet of critical race theory is the notion that any difference, any difference in society that you see where uh, people of color have less of a particular distributed resource, then that's evidence of racism. Now, again, in the, in the old definition of racism, you actually had to see racist words. You had to see racist actions. You had to see evidence of discrimination. Now, difference, simple difference, is, to, is, is said to be evidence of racism. And that's completely crazy. 
I mean, th that would fail you out of a first year undergrad statistics class. We, we know that correlation does not equal ca causation. I tell my students this again and again, and yet we have educators, top level educators in our public system, in our administration at universities, who are pushing this lie yeah. that disparity equals discrimination when in fact it doesn't. I, again, the evidence is so easy to debunk. I've already said that in, in Canada, we've got um, really good evidence from Statistics Canada yeah. that your skin color doesn't hold you back. But, but let me do this thought experiment for your audience. Okay, so we know that between 65 and 70% of the players in the NBA are black. Mm -hmm. Do we truly believe that uh, the, the, the NBA is prejudicing, discriminating against white players? Is that why white play there aren't more white players? It's a great question. No, we know it's another variable. We know it's that they, they, the the uh, black youth often will spend more time um, in communities where basketball is the key sport, mm -hmm. and therefore they get better. Um, and and so it really is these other variables. And it, social scientists have known this forever. You look at all the variables. Yeah. But we are purposely being willfully blind. Uh, this is in our school system and in our universities. So how prevalent is this now across universities and school? Is it essentially becoming the standard for majority of universities in Canada? Oh, yeah. I mean, schools, uh, universities, sorry, are just rife with this. Um, in fact, you can't go through a course without some mention. Even our science courses now at university will talk about uh, whites as oppressors. There are special workshops about how to combat your whiteness. At my university, we just had um, a, a new diversity and equity strategy put out that says one of the key focuses of my university is going to de-center whiteness. Wow. Now, what does that mean? Uh, and, and, and keep in mind, they have a lot of choice of what words they could use. Yeah. They could say, we're going to de-center the cultural values of the West. And maybe that's to make room for all cultural values. But instead, they actually choose, we're going to de-center whiteness. And we, we, we know that they're trying to hide something. And they're, they're using, they say, well, we're not talking about white people. Well, well who, who's, who are the people that have white skin? Who are the people who embody whiteness? So this is really promotion of anti-white racism. In the very words they use, it's clear that that's the case. Uh, back to, but you wanted to know about in our public schools, uh, it has gone and percolated down from our universities into the public schools now. Uh, I'll give you some local examples yeah. from my own board. So my board is the Waterloo Region Public School Board, and uh, I've been involved in a parent group locally. I lead a chapter that uh, really tries to combat this stuff. We're, we're an organization of parents. And uh, here's just some brief examples. So in my board, the Waterloo board, they now have large meetings at the board office where they'll invite the vice principals and the principals. And it, at points in those meetings, they will tell the white administrators, the white principals and vice principals, they have to leave hmm. because they want to give their racialized colleagues a chance to speak about their specific challenges. And the idea is that these are challenges the white colleagues, colleagues wouldn't understand. And this, this seg segregation, extends to students as well. In my board, they now have special events for students of color to which white students are not invited, not allowed. 
the most recent one was called the Black Brilliance Student Conference, and it featured live bands and free food. And it was justified, the exclusion, by the way, of whites was justified on the grounds that black students need a safe place to be themselves. Now, if you're saying that, that black students need a safe place, it implies two things and both are very negative. First, it implies that they are not safe when they are in the company of their white friends at school. And it also implies that black students are psychologically more fragile than anyone else. And is that the message we need to be sending? I mean, that kind of mental priming is very dangerous. And we know that it has an effect. We know that you can actually convince people that they can't achieve. And that's what's going on in, in our school board. I've got more examples that are related to these one-off events in Guelph, just down the road from me. It's a, it's a city. They just had a dance where white students weren't allowed, only uh, students of color. At the Peel Board of Education, um, which is um, the, the city of Mississauga is in Peel. They're now having a special tutoring camp over March break. Dave, do you find people and parents are, are speaking up to this when they see it? Is there people that are pushing back or people just willfully accept these type of events and because it's a nice thing to do or they don't want to be whatever reasons holding them back? Well, for the most part in Canada, uh, we are all about peace, order, and good government and deference. And it, it's really rare that students are speaking up against this ideology that's now being promoted, this yeah. very divisive and harmful very, very ideology. So. And I think that uh, we're seeing a bit of a change. Okay. And it's, it, it's really, it's the United States that has led the charge on this. And I think Canadians are becoming aware of it. See, one of the problems is our news media doesn't report on this. Yeah. Our news media is complicit. And so as a result, parents tend not to be aware. So unless you're actually looking at the news coming out of the US, you wouldn't be aware at how extensive this critical race theory, this anti-racism education has taken over our schools. But for those parents who, who have noticed, They've, they've taken to meeting, uh, going to school boards um, and trying to argue against it, but not with a lot of success. I'll give you an example. Uh, in my own school board, parents began complaining that their kids, their white kids were being told that they were oppressors. And so they reached out to a couple trustees who have been known to give a listening ear to these kind of complaints. The majority of trustees incidentally they're, they're converts to this doctrine, wow. so they won't listen. But there were two that, that were willing to listen. And so they brought forward a motion. They said to the Board of uh, Ed in Waterloo Region, they said, listen, we'd like to have a report done by staff that tells us just how much of this critical race theory stuff is being taught to our students. And, and what are they being taught? Because they'd already heard complaints from parents. And so they wanted an official record. Yeah. Well, the school board trustees, the rest of them, the ones who had already consumed the Kool-Aid, they voted it down. They said, wow. we will not allow parents to know what is being taught. <laughs> they voted down the motion yeah. that would have exposed what was being taught to kids. And then, and then they did what is pretty typical now. They said that to even explore the issue would cause harm. You know, they always justify their censorship. They always justify their intolerance 
on the basis of, well, it would do harm if we looked into it. At, at one point in this meeting, the director of education, who's fully behind this very vile ideology, uh, he broke into tears saying that, that he was afraid that, uh, that students were being harmed by even questioning, hmm. by even trying to look at what was being taught about critical race theory or anti-racism education. And so they appeal to emotion instead of facts. It's sort of this whole package. It seems like this is a self-perpetuating cycle that you'll get into, right? Where you're trying to, in the name of protect or protect essentially the different class of races, they're defining it. And in essence, you're creating victims, which are now becoming more sensitive to this. And it keeps just spiraling down and down. This is a um, question for you. Are, are there actually that many people with these Marxist worldviews of oppressed and oppressor that are pushing this? Or yeah, is there just a few and the rest of us are just kind of completely uneducated about it? Uh, it, it doesn't need to be the majority. They just need to be in charge, right? There's um, a couple ways to look at this. Some people call it the Pareto principle. Yep. Some people call it the 80-20 principle. But, but what you'll see is that while, while the majority of, of us have been going about our daily routines, there have been really concerted efforts by far left uh, individuals. They yeah. are... Um, steeped in this ideology and they've taken over our school boards cool. and and what they've also done is they've made it almost impossible to criticize them because they they will now use these epithets these terrible epithets you're a racist you're a transphobe to shut you down you're appealing myself i'm appealing to empirical evidence but now they'll say that my evidence is racist they'll call me a racist and they're able to do that uh, with, with no pushback. And so being afraid of, many people are afraid of being called a racist so they won't challenge them. So we do have to, to be more brave. Uh, so your question was, is there a majority? Not yet, but there will be because we're not stopping them. And we keep sending our kids into these places and they're spending six, seven, eight hours there if you think that uh, having them home for 15 minutes around the dinner table can can deprogram them, you're absolutely wrong. So it, it's only a matter of time before this is really the majority opinion, especially among the younger generation. So what can we continue to do as people are educated and see this? I'm very concerned. I've got I've got a young son myself. We've got friends that we've seen who are actually starting to pull their kids out of school and moving to homeschooling because they're understanding the importance of, of the family and, and getting your kids um, properly, not just properly educated, but having having the belief systems of the family instilled in, in, instead of the belief systems of this Marxist ideology. What can Canadians continue to do to fight back with this? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to use the, the phrase of a, a guy, he's a pastor and a theologian, he's Vody Bauckham. Yep. And um, he says that uh, if you send your kids off to Caesar, don't be surprised when they come back Romans. And so you've already mentioned that one of the solutions at this point is to get your kids out of public schools. And I think that that has to be a priority. Yeah. So 
I mean, we really, we have to take this very seriously. Now, uh, at this point, I say, there's really no solution except to get your kids out of public schools, but we need to start voting for governments that will fund alternative education, uh, that will actually give the money for parents to choose the educational outcome they want. Yeah. And in, in Ontario, we have a party that is just beginning. It's called the Ontario Party. The Ontario Party actually has uh, a policy for K-12 that says they'll give the money to parents to find the best educational solution for them. We need to break the monopoly of these school systems, these public school systems. And one way to do it is to let the, the money travel with kids. Another thing that we need to do is outlaw this kind of teaching. And they're doing that in the United States. So we need to actually have laws on the books that say, if you are teaching that someone or some group by virtue of their race is an oppressor, is a villain, that's got to stop. Yeah. And, and equally, if you're teaching that someone is a victim and that they're going to be held back because of the race, that's got to stop. And the reason it needs to stop is it's just not empirically true. Totally. You gotta stop teaching lies. Maybe the yeah. general law should be you can't lie to students. So wouldn't uh, that be a new thought? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, you also mentioned if you do have if you do have the ability, if you have the bravery, you should also be speaking up at your local school board. Yeah. Because even if you take your kids out, there are kids in there who are still going to be indoctrinated into this very vile way of thinking. And uh, it's our obligation to make sure that we stand up for those vulnerable kids. So uh, well, I going appreciate to you uh, using the word indoctrinated because it, it really is. And this is my in my opinion, it really is an, an indoctrination. It's an on purpose, concerted effort to train young kids to have this worldview as they grow up. And, and there is it's, it's not like this is a short term blip. This 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 idea and these thoughts have been around you can go back 40, 50 years, how CRT really started getting getting its roots. One of the interesting things that is that we're aware of is there's an election coming up in Manitoba, provincial election. And basically, if conservatives, conservatives and NDP who are going to be vying for it. But the NDP, there is a concerted effort to defund Christian schools, specifically starting with Catholic schools. And then moving on to that reason being is because they want to push a narrative into public schools and to get rid of other school systems that are going to basically stand against this idea, which just speaks to this, this effort that's happening across our nation and we're seeing it in the States as well. Yeah, listen, it's a lot worse than, than that. There are academics at really high level schools in the States like Harvard who are saying that parents shouldn't even be allowed to homeschool yeah, I know. And and they they are advocating at the highest levels of government to ban homeschool. So it's not just Christian private school, it's 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 homeschool. These people want your kids. And and they're going to do what they can to take them from you. Yeah. And I I mean that sounds dramatic. But at some point we actually have to believe the things that they're saying in public. Yeah. And that, those are the kind of things they're saying in public. Those are the kind of publications that they're they're putting out there. Dave, as we're coming a little bit to a close here, any any closing comments just in general about CRT, the dangers that it is and, and what we should be doing? Yeah, well, I'm going to I'm going to make a plug for my own YouTube channel and it's yes. not monetized, so I don't get any dough from it or anything. But because there's so much to explain and there's so much evidence 
that that really is uh, very clear, clearly against this ideology. I'd yeah. encourage your your viewers to just go and take a look at my YouTube channel, where I actually go through numerous studies that show the harm that is done to students when they're taught this stuff. And uh, it, it's again, it's such a big topic, but there are resources. One resources resource they could choose to, to look at is uh, my YouTube channel, David M. Haskell on YouTube. And I've got lots of stuff about uh, the dangers of CRT there. Yeah, and I'll, I'll support you on that. I was, I've been going through your YouTube for the last couple of days, watching a lot of that. Go check it out. Appreciate everything that you are doing to bring to light and adding empirical evidence in your opinion, your voice. Your voice needs to continue to be heard. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, David. We're going to have to do this again for sure. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much. You are an essential part of this series. Support truth, knowledge, and wisdom by sharing this show with a friend. Visit returntoreason.tv. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter by clicking Become an Insider. Get the latest articles, episodes, and exclusive content. It's Return to Reason.